Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we get to recap really what was probably the best Saturday of the season thus far um, for Wisconsin sports fans. You saw the triple header lining up with Wisconsin basketball, uh, Wisconsin football right after, and then uh, Packer football that evening. Coming into it, I thought this could go really well or really badly or somewhere in the middle. I had a feeling that one of those teams would uh, lay an egg or lose in, in a weird or, or dumb fashion. Thankfully, that didn't happen. A 3-0 trifecta for Wisconsin sports makes it a really lovely Sunday morning um, when we're recording this show. So we'll recap both the basketball and the football. Uh, talk a little bit, some news already coming out um, with a certain transfer portal quarterback. I'm sure you can guess who that might be if you're listening to this. And also Wisconsin's possible bowl um, destinations. We're recording in the middle kind of this college football show. Um, so we might have an answer. We might not for you. So maybe listen for the breaking news. But, of course, um, no matter the decision, we'll get into a full, you know, kind of bowl preview um, on our Wednesday show and wrap up any news and anything like that. So it uh, should be a fun show. Excited to get into it. Matt, how are you today? Doing great. I'm excited to chop it up with you. You know, I just got to ask, how you doing? <laughs> that That is a good one. There was a lot of puns, actually, now that you say that, in that uh, game yesterday with Matt Millen on the call. That was – I almost had to mute him at one point just from the uh, the aspects of, of him. He was in, in full display yesterday um, with that one. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great Saturday, and I think uh, you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Three wins. I didn't think we'd get to that point, but uh, it, it makes today's talk much more enjoyable. Without a doubt, man. Like it, you look at a slate like that, and and you think, oh my gosh, this is either going to go terrible or it's going to go great. And uh, I'm glad it was the latter, and that we're sitting here talking about three W's. Yeah, yeah, it makes it much more fun. These last few podcasts, these Monday recaps, have been one where you're going to knock your head against the wall. And I, I really did have a feeling. I said if there was one one of these teams is going to lose in some dumb way, and I had a feeling it was going to be one of the two Badger teams just because it's the podcast. And, you know, we love the Packers, but we don't talk about them really on here. So I figured there'd be something that would get us as upset and have to cover it. But thankfully we didn't. And uh, we'll just kind of do the rundown um, of the day because it really was. It, it all lined up perfectly. Um, you know, the, the the early basketball games, you know, Gonzaga and Iowa also playing. You had football on. It was just a really nice morning, and, and Wisconsin basketball came out and really kind of made the, the day start off with ease. I mean, just looked crisp all over. I know Louisville was down some guys, but Wisconsin kind of put that game away from the get-go. Um, just really looked dominant out of the gate and never really looked back. Three-pointers were raining in. So, um, what did you make of, of that dominating performance for Wisconsin in the much later ACC Big Ten Challenge? I thought really it was an all-around performance. I thought they looked phenomenal. I thought the jerseys looked crisp, um, just as crisp as the offense. I thought the ball movement was impeccable. You've, you've seen at times this Badger team kind of lull you to sleep, kind of get, uh, get not as um, – 
well thought out with the ball. Um, you, you see them instead sitting there and hesitating. But in this game, you saw the ball moving on full display. They were after it. I thought they looked great. Um, and it, that was a big reason for how well they shot from three-point land at 64%, like you mentioned. Um, ad- additionally, they put really good defense. They, f- they forced 18 turnovers, were able to get 19 points off of those turnovers, and were able to get the hit the rebounding and the boards well. So I, I think this was a, a great effort for this team. You saw a lot of guys play really well. Um, I, I thought seeing Ford and Davison continue to play well in this game was, was big because we, we have seen those two in particular struggle at times this year, and they seem to be putting it together now the past few games. Yeah, when you have a game like that of, of all five guys playing cohesively and knocking down shots and moving the ball well, this team is really fun to watch. When they can get stagnant and a little stale sometimes in their offense or you know the decision-making is a little off, they can get into some ruts of scoring. But when they're playing the way that, that you know they can play, you know they can they can really be a, a fun team to watch when they're moving the ball and, and making that extra pass and knocking down the shots. You know, especially from deep, um, they're they're a dangerous team. There's a reason why this team was ranked in the top ten to begin the season. Everyone knows what Wisconsin can do. It's just sometimes a matter of which Wisconsin team is going to show up. Is it going to be a team that sometimes misses some shots and plays down to their competition, or is it going to be a team that comes out and is just hitting shots and and can play with anybody really in the country? So it was. It was really entertaining game and a nice start for them. And, and the shooting was, the I think, the big storyline of it. You know, we talked about the passing and the offensive, you know, being crisp and moving the ball, but they did shoot, like you mentioned, 64% from deep. I know we've talked about the three-point a lot with this team and how big it can be to for them to knock down shots. How big of it is it for this team to be able to knock those down and, and how important will it be to continue to knock those down? Maybe not that clip, but around that number as you enter Big Ten play. Yeah, I mean, if they can continue their hot shooting from these past three or two games, really, um, I think it's going to go a long way in what the defining what this team can be. Um, you know, this was this type of performance was what people had in mind when they saw, hey, the Badgers are returning five seniors. They're returning another senior um, coming off the bench in Trevor Anderson, who who played really good game with 11 points, three assists, um, as well as a, a couple young contributors. Um, like Tyler Wall and Jonathan Davis, who I thought also played well. So I, I think this is what you're looking for. I don't think you're going to see 64% from three again this year, maybe even. But if you can keep hovering around that 40% mark, you're in good shape given the fact that this team can do a lot of really good things on the defensive end. And, and they played really actively but without fouling, which has been kind of uh, you know a tough thing for this team this year. And, and I thought that the refs did a good job of not blowing the whistle of it every 10 seconds like we have seen this year. Yeah, I think that's the really important part is that you know if this team is knocking down shots at a, a clip even close to that, they're going to be a really tough basketball team to beat because you mentioned it. The defensive end of the floor, they, they play really well, and, and they've always done that under, you know, Bo Ryan and Greg Gard. It's, it's, it's always well-coached defensive teams, but offensively sometimes there were some struggle spots in there. So if you, if you can fix that offense and, and really start knocking down shots and playing, you know, through all five of your guys and then through the offense that you got in place, this team can be dangerous. So I'm, I'm really excited to see it. I know Big Ten play is starting up now to see them play against some of that, you know, higher competition uh, I know there's been a lot of Big Ten teams that have looked pretty sharp out of the gate, so I'm interested to see where this team goes from there. And 
if they can if they can knock down these shots, you're going to have tough games with the likes of Illinois and Michigan State and Iowa, um, along with you know just the depth of the conference overall. It's going to be a tough game and, and tough stretch here as you get into Big Ten play. But I think the the number that they hit at in terms of just shots in general and three pointers, if to go along with the defensive end of the floor is probably going to be the, the end result where if you're knocking down shots, you're probably winning games, and if you're missing shots, you're losing games. It sounds kind of cliche and simple, but it, it really that's kind of really the, the mantra for this Wisconsin basketball team right now. And so far in this little run that they've got, they're hitting them, and I think that will go a long way as they you know, move into the conference play. Yeah, they got a big a big test to kind of kick things off with Nebraska coming to town. So I'm I'm excited to see if they can keep this rolling because this is you're starting to see this team the, that we saw at the end of last year come together now with the the two newer pieces coming coming into the picture as well with Ben Carlson and um, Jonathan Davis. And I continue to see Jonathan Davis's game um, flash further and further because you can see he's getting more and more comfortable with this team and, and taking shots that um, in the paint and in the interior when he's, he's trying to get to the rim, that, that is going to help this team when it comes later in the year. And they are able to sit outside and hit those three threes because he's able to get inside as well and, and kick it out. Yeah, I think he looked really impressive yesterday. He does not look like a guy that's playing, you know, as a true freshman. I know in basketball you, you get these superstar freshmen, but for a lot of freshmen outside of, you know, the top, you know, however many players, it, it's still a transition period. He looks like he's kind of moved out of that transition period into being a really solid contributor. It's kind of gotten better, you know, every game as the season goes on. So that's huge for Wisconsin to go along with. You know, you mentioned Trevor Anderson off the bench. It's a nice piece for you. Um, Tyler Wall off the bench has been phenomenal. So uh, so the rotation that you've got right now is, is really solid, and I'm excited to see what they can do in Big Ten play. As you move forward here, of course, it's hard to nitpick too much when you play the way they did. But did anything concern you in the game yesterday? And, and what do you maybe want to see the, the Badgers improve on? Kind of comboing our, our last two questions on the outline here as they head into conference play. So it probably kind of goes hand in hand of things that maybe concerned yesterday and, and what they want to get fixed as they start up you know, Big Ten play here against Nebraska. I don't think there's anything that I want this team to approve upon. I think they need to continue to do what they did in this game with 22 assists, making sure to um, to keep the ball moving really, really well. Um, I think that's a paramount concern for this offense. If they're doing that, I think they're going to be in good shape. The, shop, the shots will fall if you're moving the ball and staying active on the offensive end. Defensively, you got to continue to not fo- make silly fouls and to get into a foul fest because you you have a lot of depth, but you also don't have the depth and go-to players that if you're missing two guys from your starting lineup, that there's um, one guy that's still out there that you can drop you 20. Um, and, and then the other big thing is to point out that, hey, Louisville was super shorthanded in this game, and they were without their best player. So as much as this is a huge win, this is a big win, uh, it's going to look good on your resume later on in the year, this isn't the same Louisville team that's going to be on the court later on um, as they get towards March. So um, this is a good win for the Badgers, but it's also important to, to note that, hey, this, this Louisville team was not who they are going to be later on in the year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They had a lot of – I applaud them for, you know, going out there and playing the way they did, you know, knowing you were really shorthanded and in kind of this game a lot, a little bit of short notice coming up to Madison and trying to win. I know it's not the same Cole Center without any people there, but it's still, you know, traveling away from home and stuff like that. So 
there's there's a lot of factors that go into it. I know Wisconsin played well, but like you mentioned, you have to take that. Not necessarily with a grain of salt, but something to keep in mind as you move into Big Ten play. You're going to start facing teams that are, you know, A, more talented than some of the teams they faced in the non-conference, but also B, you know, fully healthy and hopefully in full of their roster because you want to beat their team at their best. And I know it would really have been interesting to see how Wisconsin and Louisville shake out um, if, if that is even. I think this was a really good game coming into the season with the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And Maybe lost its luster a little bit, but it's still a big win for Wisconsin, you know, top 25 team on paper and in the rankings. So it'll be uh, an important win as they move into Big Ten play here and move and get ready for Nebraska. So I think that'll be uh, an interesting test to start the Big Ten season. Anything else you've got basketball-wise? Otherwise, I think we'll we'll get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into some football talk. Let's talk the axe game. All right, Wisconsin football retains the axe, 20-17. to 17. Really a entertaining game throughout, tight throughout, but if you're looking for the main storyline of this contest, I think you've got to start with Garrett Groshek. I mean, just a dominating performance. I know uh, coming into the game, of course, Jalen Berger was unavailable. You thought it was pretty much going to be a Garrett Groshek, Nikia Watson show. Nikia Watson all of a sudden unavailable, so it's, it's Groshek. It's it was Brady Shipper. We saw a brief glimpse glimpse of Julius Davis, which was nice. I believe he only had one carry, so it was mostly just the Garrett Groshek show, and and he showed out uh, as a guy experienced a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts with during the offense. But Garrett Groshek was just dominated in that game. What did you make of his performance and and how the Badgers were able to pull that one out? First of all, I thought the offensive line looked better. They played really well. I know Minnesota doesn't have the, the the front seven that the Badgers have seen the past three weeks, which was a big reason why they struggled um, in those games. But at the same time, I thought the line did a much much better job, and Garrett Groshek played phenomenal. It was, it was a cool thing to see him uh, finish up his time at Camp Randall, likely um, going out that way. He's he's a very I, I feel he's been uh, underappreciated throughout his career. Um, playing for for three years out there and, and doing a lot for this team, you look you look at this game, him topping 150 um, over six yards a carry, that big long 39 yard touchdown run that that was a thing of beauty set up by the line, and and I, I thought that that was a nice way to cap off his career um, with the Badgers. Um, I, I think this this team will miss him next year if he is in fact not coming back. Um, you know, he just got married and whatnot, so I, I doubt it. But at the same time, I, I think you look at it, he, he was he ran really hard and, and really wanted in that, that game. Um, he looked quick. He was in and out of his breaks nicely. So I think I think Garrett Groshek, it was definitely the team MVP of that game. Oh, yeah, most definitely. He was just a guy that, that looked like a man on the mission, kind of, where he had guys on his back, his legs were turning, and he was just picking up as many yards in his game. And, and that's what you like to see. From, from a running back in general, but also an upperclassman guy playing in what probably is his last game at Camp Randall against a rival. This is why you play these games. I know there was talk on, you know, what's the point of, of Wisconsin and Minnesota rescheduling? And, well, this is the point right here is that Garrett Groshek gets to have this performance uh, to end his career on the note that maybe he wanted to. Of course, there's a possibility and, and a probability of a bowl game, but I think that's the way when you think of his career. That's that's a way you want to look back at it. You want to look back on on you remember that game, um, you know, when and when we're in the stands at Camp Randall, hopefully next year and, and a couple of years down the road, you can say remember that performance from Garrett Groshek uh, a couple of years in that miserable 2020 you know pandemic season. So 
I thought he was great. He looked like a guy. He just had that look in his eye like, hey, I'm, I just want to do this. I want to will my team in to win. The season's been rough, and you know he mentioned in his post-game interview that it's just a lot of hard work that has paid off for these guys, and and he was impressive in that. You know, six point four yards per carry, you know, picking up big ones, and and really putting the team on his back, which is what you need when you're short-handed. You know, you don't got Berger, you don't have Watson, and and Groshek just came out and said, you know, put the put the ball in my hands and let's see what can happen. Yeah, he he played phenomenal. Uh, the other guy who really showed out in this game was Leo Chanel. What did you make of his performance, man? I was I was so happy to see it because he's been a guy that for the last few weeks, you know, we talked about it on the last episode, um, you know, because we both picked Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn to be the guy that had the big games, and we talked about it with Leo Chanel. He's just been a guy that seems like this season he's been a step late on a lot of plays, whether it be getting getting to the quarterback for sacks or or, or you know getting pressure or making tackles, and and he finally just came and. You, you kind of expected it and felt like at some point this season he was going to have a game that just he broke out and dominated, and, and there it was. And it, it came at a really timely, you know, uh, a really important time because Mo Ibrahim was running pretty well. He's a really tough back to try and handle, and, and Chanel was, was really a big difference maker. And I feel really happy for him because I know he's probably been a little frustrated this season with, you know, kind of being a little late on some of those plays and not getting the, the stats and the numbers that he wanted. So he was impressive, and I think going forward for this team into next year, he's going to be a guy that might might be, if you're looking at candidates to really up their game and just be an absolute beast, I think Leo Chanel next year could be a guy that uh, could really turn some heads and, and really start making some plays at the level you know of a, of a normal Wisconsin you know, linebacker that way. Yeah, I, I think he he really played up in that game. Thirteen tackles, five tackles for loss, two sacks, a forced fumble. He he damn near had an interception as well. You look at now after that performance because he, I mean, thirteen is a big number for um, especially in this year. You look at it. He vaulted himself up to tied for the the team lead in total tackles. He has the most solo tackles. The tied for the lead in tackles for loss was six. The most sacks on the team with three. He's tied for the team lead in interceptions. He's he leads the team in quarterback hurries, and he has um, is tied for the most uh, forced fumbles uh, on the year as well. What what a game! But really, it it encapsulates uh, his season really nicely because it shows what he can do. Um, and, and like we said, you, you talked about it. He he seemed like he was. Uh, inches away so many times from getting to the quarterback for the sack, getting to um, the guy to get him for a tackle up for a loss. But you saw him get home against um, Minnesota, and I thought he did a really good job. Uh, it would have been really nice to see him uh, reel in that interception. That that probably would have just finished that game a little earlier. But uh, I thought he played really well. And, and between him and Groshek, they really won that game for the Badgers and in what was, I know, a team effort, but those two um, really shined. Yeah, those two were impressive. I mean, they, you know, Groshek, like we've said, put the put the team on his back and was really running hard to provide them any sort of spark offensively. And then Chenal was just, looked like a guy with a hair, his, his hair on fire, just, you know, causing havoc and really just playing up to the potential that you know he's got. And if he comes into the next year, um, playing the way he did, even remotely close to the way he did yesterday, he's going to be a really big problem because he's only he's only going to guy that's going to get more athletic and stronger as he progresses. I mean, the guy's already a freak athlete and 
and you know has freak strength. But uh, as he continues to work and you know, next year become you know upperclassman, he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch in terms of you know Big Ten accolades and awards. I think he could really be a guy that takes his game to the next level. So hats off to those guys. I know there's a couple other names you could mention. You know, Jack Dunn was another guy played really well with again shorthanded personnel. So uh, a few guys really. Big performances helped carry this team, and that's what you need in a rivalry game like this when both teams are kind of depleted and, and moving things around. So it was a really strong performance from both of those. One guy that did struggle, though, was, of course, Graham Mertz again. Um, a lot of throws were just off. Um, I, I know he's he's kind of been off all year, and then, of course, goes down with an injury. Chase Wolf come in. Actually, I thought Chase Wolf in the very limited, other than the 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 play that we'll talk about here in a little bit. I thought Chase Wolf looked pretty good and had good command of the offense. So what did you make of the, once again, kind of subpar quarterback performance? Yeah, I, I thought the first half was, was one that Graham will probably want to forget. He did he just missed some open throws. Uh, you, you saw him unable to finish in some windows that he normally could um, and that you need to it, it, when you're at the Big Ten level and you're playing quarterback. So uh, definitely missed some, missed some tosses. But really, the the team started to really play well once Mertz started connecting in that third quarter. Um, you know, we st- it started about the seven minute mark of the third quarter. That drive where Mertz actually started to show some life started. You could see his his mannerism shift when he hit that twenty four yarder to to Dunn um, and really get that drive going. Then he had the nice twenty three yarder to Ferguson as well. Um, before he got knocked out um, of that game after that seven-yard run. But but I thought Wolf looked pretty good. Um, I, I think he made the plays that he needed to. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot. I mean, that 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 out route to Dunn, I, I think you could have thrown underhand and probably got it to him. He was so open. But um, I, I thought overall he, he looked fine. I was interested when they, they brought him in for a couple of series. Uh, you know, you had a quarterback in the third quarter who is struggling in um, Graham Mertz, and you bring in Wolf for for two yeah, plays, get him bad. behind the cha- get Mertz behind the chains, and throw him back out there. It was just like, what the hell are you doing? Um, and so I, I think you look at it; they're, they're trying to figure out things on offense. I still think Graham Mertz is the better quarterback over the long term, and and probably for whatever a, a possible bowl game would be. But it was it was positive to see that Chase Wolf can do some of the things that they need from him. Let's not forget that he completed four passes and not one of them went past seven yards. So it's, it's we could say that he looked pretty good, but he really wasn't asked to do a whole lot. <laughs> no, he was not. And then thankfully, I think he does have the capabilities to win you a game, but I think, he, I think if Graham Merch plays up to the way I think we all know he can, that the Chase Wolf is a very reliable backup in that regard. And, uh, Hopefully you don't have to throw him in there and pull him out and and do what you did yesterday. That was a little bit of a head scratcher. You know, you've got Graham Mertz that was already kind of struggling for for confidence and, and everything like that to then be pulled and pushed and in the whole nine yards. It's just kind of been a rough season at the quarterback position. And and again, you know, another thing to to consider, he had to keep running over to the sidelines to get the plays. It just seems like the offense is not really clicking and moving the way it needs to right now. They've got to really get to this offseason to maybe make some changes and get some things figured out. So hopefully Graham Mertz is okay. I I know there hasn't really been a lot of status updates on his injury. Um, So if you do go to a bowl, uh, who knows, could it be in there? It's not like you've got a couple weeks to prepare for this um, bowl game that might be in the works. You know, that's probably 
if the rumors of overhearing, you know, Music City Bowl, that would be December 30th. So um, you don't have a lot of time like you do normal bowl prep that way. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think at the end of the day, once you get into this offseason, the quarterback position and really the offensive general just will need to sit down and, and really clean some things out and, and really move into next year with, with kind of a clear head because I know Graham Mertz has had a very up-and-down season, but I still think he's the future and, and the potential is there for him to be a great quarterback for Wisconsin. So this season is just kind of a, a trial-by-fire type run. No doubt. And and we'll see kind of how this all unfolds for this team going forward. But I know you, you kind of opened the door on this. The 17-17, uh, you, you see Garrett Groshek rattle off two two runs for 19 yards combined. They're in on the 40-yard line. There's a little over four minutes left. You're just ticking away clock here. The batters are finally moving the ball well the past couple of drives. Really after we I talked about Mertz had those couple couple throws to kind of mm-hmm. rejuvenate the team. And then they go deep <laughs> on first down. Walk me through the thought process there and what were you thinking um, after you saw that? I, my, my head was thinking just, curse word after curse word and then my mouth followed suit with dropping said curse words but that one to me I I don't know what I was thinking because I was I was sitting there trying to figure out what they were thinking I it was a complete head scratcher not even a head scratcher it was just a, a terrible call in that situation I know and there's certain there's part of it too you know I, I think Owen tweeted out a good point that um, you know, the Chase Wolf didn't have to throw that ball. He could have thrown it away. But I think at the same regard, if you're into what is realistically your third-string quarterback, because Jack Cohn, you know, of course we'll get into his situation a little later, probably wasn't available and, and hasn't been available here. But he's essentially your third-string quarterback from where you were when this season kind of started originally, before COVID and all of that. So you don't really want to put your third-string quarterback in a situation where either he has to throw it deep or throw it away. It would have been nice to just see him turning and handing it off however many more times, and then Wisconsin you know, having the control where they can either, A, kick the field goal, and who knows, maybe you don't make it. I know Colin Marsh, while he did knock home the, the game winner, he's been somewhat inconsistent in his career. Last year was a struggle. Missed a kick yesterday, earlier prior to that, so... I get you don't maybe want to just settle and try and run out the clock and, and click it or kick it, but it's still – I don't know if, if a play-action heave to the end zone is the call that you want to go with. Maybe you go with a, a single read pass in the flat. You know, I think the only pass that they actually completed was the, was the out route to Jack Dunn. Maybe you go to something like that rather than the deep ball in that situation. So – I was not happy with that call. I know most of the people uh, around the around Badger Twitter and the Badger, Badger sphere were not happy with it. But at the end of the day, I think they thankfully got bailed out on it. If they would have ended up losing that game, it would have been, I think, a much bigger talking point. But, man, that one really made me made me have to go to church on Sunday morning because I was cursing up a storm. So what, what did you uh, make of that call? Yeah, I mean, it, it just didn't make a whole ton of sense whatsoever. Um, and, and, and like you mentioned, Wolf doesn't have to throw that ball. But really, if you're looking at it, if, you, if you're if you calling a play and you said it, they said it on the telecast that they told these young quarterbacks, you got two reads and then tuck it and run, that's one of the two reads. So, like, that's one of the two 
calls, and likely that's the one he's going to be thinking is in going to be looking for first. That's his first read there. So you got a red or a true freshman wide receiver running a route deep on a post pattern, and then you've got a quarterback who has thrown the ball under ten times his entire career at Wisconsin, and it's let's keep it deep. I don't think so. <laughs> like it just it didn't jive with how the game was flowing. When you're seeing the Badgers get the run game going, you converted the the um, right before that by running the ball. You know, you ran the ball. You had a nice out route to Jack. Done for seven yards, and then you ran the ball with Mason Stocky to to plunge it forward. This drive started at your own 16. Be happy that you're up Minnesota's 40 at that point, and just keep moving it ahead. I, I just didn't understand that call. I also didn't understand in the in the first half uh, opening drive when they went ahead and and uh, ran the ball on third and seven, and then kicked a field goal. <laughs> that also yeah. didn't make any oh. sense. That was the one play that Julius Davis ran, which was you know <laughs> that's well. Who knows uh, about everything that's going on there? But at the same time, the the fact that that was also called, and you've got Colin Lars who was short from 46 yards the the week before to kick it again from that distance is it just doesn't make sense. Um, and so I, I think, like you said, there's going to have to be some changes this off season in terms of what's happening on the offensive end. I'm not going to say what those changes need to be because there is people making a hell of a lot more money than I do making the, that should be making those decisions. But at the same time, the, the, those inconsistencies with, with the calling can't, can't be going on because that could have easily cost them the game in that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, when, that, when that interception happened, I thought, oh, great. You know, they're going to hit a couple chunk plays. They're going to run some sort of read option and bust a 20-yard run and then complete a pass, and the next thing you know, they're going to have a, a chance for a field goal. And, and thankfully, you know, um, you know the, the the sack fumble kind of, I think, shied Minnesota away from attempting that. They were happy to play for overtime, but you don't want to put yourself in that situation if you don't have to. So a couple of those calls, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the third and seven one and then the kick because that one was a head-scratcher for me too. Um, you know, it's one thing if you've got a money kicker that you know is going to get you a field goal and you're going to get three points no matter what, but uh, it's it's always a risk right now with Wisconsin, you know, kicking the ball and, and trying to, you know, you can't guarantee three points outside of maybe 25, 30 yards. So um, it, it was an interesting call, that one, and then, yeah, the interception was one that uh, I think had a lot of people scratching their head and uh, swearing at the television, unfortunately, uh or I guess more fortunately, they, they came out on the right end. And it ended up working out in overtime as Wisconsin wins. And Minnesota misses their kick. Wisconsin comes down. And then I think they maybe they learned from that and played it safe and ran it and then kicked it. So I, at the end of the day, beating Minnesota is awesome. But how good was it just to cap off this weird season with, with a win over Minnesota? Because I think coming into that game, there's a lot of frustrations. But after that game, having a win, keeping the ax, it makes it feel, I think, a whole lot better. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the big thing that stood out to me was just um, seeing the team excited and happy out mm-hmm. there, you know, and, and being able to celebrate. You know, they've been through a lot this year. I know everybody has been, but you have to remember that this this team has to go through that daily grind of, of not being able to go see your family, not being able to go do a lot of things um, these past few months in order to just play the games on the weekend. And we know that Three of those games were taken away from them um, based off of COVID-19. But at the same time, you've, you add that in, you've had 
constantly players in and out of the lineup with injuries. You've got a fan base that's been unsatisfied and clamoring for positive news here and there. Um, and for them to go out there and, and get a W and just be able to be excited, be happy, run around and, you know, kind of let their guard down and have a great time was, was good to see. And especially in this crazy year that we've had, um, I, I think this team came together and that was a big moment for this team that hopefully can help them going into next year because those last three games leading into this one were really tough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were tough not only for fans to watch, but whatever fans are feeling, the players are feeling at times 100. So um, I, I think it was big for this team, and, and it, they showed grit all year long, but, but basically I was just excited to let them be able to go out there and celebrate. Um, you saw uh, the, the picture of John Dietzen holding up the axe. You know, that, that's a guy that's been through so damn much, and for him to be able to go do that is, is huge. Eric Varell out there chopping, chopping wood early in the game and later on, it, it was it was fun because the seniors were who won this game. It was the older guys. We've talked a lot about the younger guys all year long, but it was the upperclassmen who, who made sure that that game was won. Yeah, exactly, and I think that was the, the really nice part to see is that the, the seniors and the upperclassmen came out and, and said, you know, I know this, this season has not been what they wanted, but we've got a chance to, to win the axe, and, and thankfully they got to go out and chop – um, the goalposts and everything like that. When I heard the Big Ten ask the rivalry, the trophies to stay in the locker room, I said, I don't, I don't think that's going to last very long. And sure enough, that was out there. And it was great to see, you know, you mentioned John Dietzen, a guy like him to be able to go out there and hold that up and, and end it the way you want to. He was a guy that battled injury and did not, you know, did not end his career originally the way he wanted to or anywhere close to, you know, having to, you know, kind of medical retire and, and then work his way back is just an awesome sight. Then for him to move over and, and move around on the offensive line and, and the offensive line to play pretty well, um, it was a really cool sight to see. And then, then you mentioned the guys like Garrett Groshek. To be rewarded by that performance and be able to bring home the axe was awesome. So I know this season has been a tough one. It's been hard on everyone you know, to watch it, but for the players, it, it, you just it, you felt really happy for them with the situation that it was, and hopefully they can uh, – if you know after the game, I thought you know maybe that's it, and maybe they uh, you know just settle on the axe and, and are happy with that at the end. And then you know I don't fault any program for skipping out on a bowl. It's not like you get a ton more practice. It's been a grind already, so I wouldn't have been surprised either way. But if they do end up playing in a bowl, I think uh, this team will really rally behind the, this past weekend and hopefully can come out and put together a good performance in that as well. Yeah, for sure. That that kind of gets the towards bull talk before we go to do that though do you want to talk to jack cone stuff i know we've you know yeah, hinted at yeah. it all, all, all episode long let's touch on it so of course um we're recording this sunday it's noon currently um we got uh, a tweet from jack cone's father and then of course shortly after wisconsin media reported that uh, jack cone did in fact put his name in the transfer portal um, I guess in terms of Wisconsin situation, not really all that surprising. I think there was times this year where Wisconsin was kind of, if Jack Cohn was healthy, fans were kind of clamoring for him to come into the game. For me, I thought maybe this was the case where he maybe he had a plan and Paul Chris didn't want to put him out there and risk injury if he was maybe going to be moving on to a new school that way. Of course, that's all speculation, but I think that could be part of the situation there. So. He's gonna. He put his name into the transfer portal. Gonna be, I think, highly suited. I mean, he's a great quarterback, a really great leader. I, I think Jack Cohn 
really has gone about it the way, um, you know, a really positive way. He could have sulked on the injury and you know sort of lost the starting job. He could have pouted about it or been angry. I think he he did a really good job of leading this team. And frankly, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are after him. Whether it be a team, there's some situations in the Big Ten where I could see him going, which would be I think tough to see. Or he could go you know out east to a, a team like Syracuse or something like that. So. Uh, I, I wish him the best of luck. I know uh, other Badger quarterbacks of the past have left kind of on bad terms. Um, I, I think Jack Cohen is going to be leaving with a fan base from Wisconsin that really wants to see him succeed. And, and I, I think we all wish him the best and hope he can come out wherever he ends up and, and play really well, play the way that I think he has the potential to. Yeah, I, I think he's going to make another fan base really happy. He's a, he's a really talented player, helped the Badgers in a lot of ways. Uh, it was unfortunate how this season went for him. But, but yeah, I, I know you had brought up some Big Ten teams, Northwestern, Penn State, um, both probably needing a quarterback. Rutgers, they're always needing a quarterback. Um, you know, I, I, had, I had said in the preseason when we were putting in the Slack channel, right, when he went and got, and got hurt and they named Graham Mertz the starter, I had said, well, great, he's going to go to SMU and light it up Shane Bichelle style. <laughs> um, he, he's, he's, got, he's got talent. I don't know if he's – going to be a guy that's going to flash at the next level, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has uh, a Scott Tolzien-esque career where he sticks around as a, as a backup in the league for a couple of years uh, because he's reliable. You, you know what you're going to get from him. Um, and, and we didn't really get to see what he could do his senior year. We saw him take a nice jump from his sophomore year to his junior year, but we never got to see his senior year. So I'm excited to see what he can do elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I wish he was still a Badger. I think everybody does, but but at the same time, that, there's too many different um, guys fighting for playing time at that quarterback position. You knew that this was a possibility um, all season long. So for it to now come out, it makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, you saw him embrace Chase Wolf at the end of the game um, for after he won it. So this is a guy who is totally about the team. You know, maybe he ends up out the East Coast. Maybe he goes to another. Um, place that's just kind of bringing in transfers left and right Miami to play for a year. He was recruited by them as well. So best of luck to him. Um, I, I tweeted it out that him dropping 363 yards against Central Michigan in like the most subtle way humanly possible will, will always be my memory of him. Yeah, that was a great that was a great performance. Yeah, you're right because I when you said 363, I was like, what game was that? And I'm like, oh yeah, that Central Michigan game where he was just chucking around left and right. So, uh, yeah, we wish him the best of luck for sure. I'm excited to see where he ends up. I hope he gets a chance to, you know, end his college career the way he wanted to. I know in Madison he wanted to go out and, you know, be playing, you know, yesterday and, and going out as a senior and everything like that. But to hopefully get the chance to at least do that in, in some way, shape, or form at another school. And and, and uh, I know Wisconsin football fans will be, you know, kind of at his back and, and really willing him and, and cheering him on. Even if he's in the Big Ten, maybe, hopefully, if he's playing against Wisconsin or anything like that, uh, we can uh, hope he has a big game and then Wisconsin still squeaks out a win. I think that would be the best situation if it comes to that. But going to be interested to see where he ends up in the long haul. And then that kind of transitions us before we wrap things up. Wisconsin football, of course, in discussions for a bowl. I know there's been a lot of teams that have opted out uh, of playing a bowl. Like I said earlier, you don't get as much bowl practice, so it's not – with this season, it's not really all that surprising, and I don't fault any programs. Late last night, there was some tweets. Um, you know, I thought maybe that they were going to opt out of a bowl, but it sounds like they are going to be at least in talks about it. 
I've heard the Music City Bowl. Of course, the the show is going on right now, so we don't know for sure. But what do you think of the bowl situation for Wisconsin before we get out of here? Yeah, yeah, I think the Music City Bowl would make a lot of sense. It could be the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which just for name alone is pure gold. <laughs> um, but you could, I could see them taking on Tennessee, Kentucky, one of the middle of the pack or lower middle pack SEC teams um, if they, if they go that route. Um, interesting was the the Big Ten's latest pivot uh, to appease Ohio State of allowing the 21-day rule that you have to sit out to now be 17 to just squeak some of those guys back like Chris Olave to play against Clemson in the college football playoff. Um, selfishly, it helps the Badgers with Jalen Berger. He would, he would be eligible then, which I think is would help this offense in a lot of ways. But at the same time, that's just – it's. The Big Ten just doesn't even give a crap about optics anymore. At this point, they're just like, whatever, we're going to do what we can to to make Ohio State uh, as good of a place as we can for the playoffs. So whatever. Uh, but at the same time, the Badgers are going to have a, a choice to make. And uh, whatever the players and staff want to do, uh, I'll back them on that because really this is this is their um, livelihoods and, and their uh, health and careers to, to think about when they're making that decision. Yeah, yeah. If it's a situation where they opt out of, of playing, you can't fault them. It's been a long, tough season, and these guys maybe maybe need a break and, and need to go see their families, things like that. But if they want to play, all the power to them, and I hope they uh, are ready to do it and, and can play um, a quality opponent, opponent and, and pick up a win. You know, it's always fun for Wisconsin football. They've had a couple games, of course, that have been scrapped. So I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are hungry to play and try and finish this the way they want to. So. Um, we'll, of course, talk about all that sort of news as we get into our, our next episode. We'll have one out. Um, we'll record one probably on Wednesday out for Thursday, and depending on where we're at uh, in terms of the bowl schedule, I believe both of the bowls that it looks like they were in um, or could be in in terms of projections are on the 30th, so we've got some time. Where we'll do a, a preview of that game if it comes to that as well. So plenty of stuff still coming from us on the podcast with Wisconsin football wrapping up here and, of course, Wisconsin basketball in full swing. So, as always, guys, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin.